If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG Plus, Complete Games Online Player Development Center. Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Transcendent Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. My guest is Jim Beadle from 4D Motion. He is here to discuss all things motion, all things movement, all things mechanics. I'm very, very um, excited and happy to have him on the, on the show because I, I believe that this, this gentleman has a lot of knowledge for he has been in the game for quite a while, operating on a really high level in in, in the in the baseball, golf, softball sector, with regards to movement and how it affects performance, Jim, welcome to the show. Wow, thanks, buddy. It's good to be here. That's an awfully nice uh, introduction. Um, not sure I'm deserving of that, but I, I <laughs> you are. You are. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been talking to people about it. So I, I'm, I'm getting ready to do this podcast. It's going to be one of my one of my favorites. I already know because I've been I've been needing, not wanting, needing to pick your brain. Because I believe well, I have, I, a, I have, I personally have a lot to learn from you, uh, and I wanted to kind of, you know, just just ask one of one document it on on the podcast because I believe that if my listeners could just be a fly on the wall, and, I, and I'm very careful about who I bring to my listeners, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm very very careful about that. So, well, I appreciate um, that very much. I look, look forward to this. So um, tell us, tell us a little bit about you and and how you got into. Uh, movement and, and and 3D motion capture and, and, and things like that. Like, where, how to start? You know, did you, did you play did you play sports? Did you how how'd you how you get into this business? You know, that's a that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> so, um, like everyone else, high school athlete uh, went on and played college baseball at a small school in North Carolina. Um, enjoyed the heck out of it. Uh, played for probably one of the best guys I've ever known in the, in the game of baseball, Dave Jouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Jouse has been in. The big leagues for, geez, I'm dating myself now, uh, 20 plus years, okay. 25 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot from him, learned a lot about the game, learned a lot about um, the things you have to do within the game um, to be successful and efficient in everything you're trying to do. Um, got out of college, <clears throat> started to play golf, um, mm-hmm. got pretty good pretty fast. Understood how the body is supposed to move to swing a golf club. Uh, being a small guy, I was a small guy back then. Mm-hmm. Um, still was able to create a lot of speed and understood how to create speed. <clears throat> so um, I took a golf pro job about 
four years or five years after I got out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I got pretty good pretty fast, uh, self-taught, um, and started to learn how to teach the game of golf. Ran into um, Tony Morgan mm-hmm. uh, from another company. Ran into Jason Glass, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Greg Rose, mm-hmm. Dave Phillips, um, Lance Gill, all these big names within mm-hmm. the industry. Uh, ran into these guys and started to uh, pick their brain about movement and how the body needs to move to mm-hmm. create power and speed and probably 15 or 18 years ago, I saw my first 3d motion capture system. Okay. It was, it was the wired Paul Hemus system with 14 or 15 pounds of wires coming off the body sensors all over the place. <laughs> I'm familiar with um, that system. <laughs> that, that little box that sits behind you that creates uh-huh. that electromagnetic uh, yeah. field around you. Um, and I just, I saw things, I, I just, I saw things and said, wow, this is the future of instruction. Yep. And, um, not sure we could all afford a Polhemus system, mm-hmm. but uh, I, you know, I started to search out to see if there were if there were systems out there that could be affordable, portable, um, that could basically give you the information needed to to look at the efficiencies and deficiencies of someone swinging a golf club. Right. That's right. basically the story on how I got into it. Okay. So, so we do you remember do you remember where we met? I certainly do. <clears throat> so it, I was it was obviously it was the TPI cert you know I was going there from over here in Jersey and yep. um, I'm like captivated by all the knowledge in the room and it, it changed my perspective like just just being able to get with people who had receipts with regards to players at at really high levels and, and, and mostly the game of golf. But a lot, of, a lot of it is translatable, translatable, and I, and I want to talk about that a little bit today too. Um, and I, I was, I was captivated by the amount of knowledge and information in the room. But I knew that I would be able. To, I knew, I know me, and I knew that I would be able to get, even though it was a golf-centered uh, forum. I mm-hmm. knew that I would be able to take the information and trans and transfer it or slash translate it into into um, softball and baseball, which is what I what I do. And yeah, um, so I, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, for you, um, coming from the golf perspective, but you played the game of baseball, how were you able to? So, what are some of the things that are similar? Just, just, just let us know, like what, because people look at golf, and golf is the father of, in terms of, of, of in my opinion, technology and, and technology and its implementation. In, ter- in terms of how we how we how we assess our athletes, Go- golf has definitely has taken the lead, um, has been the leader, probably will continue to be the leader, and um, and how 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 have you been able to parlay that into you know into the baseball softball uh, area? Well, I I think you're right by saying golf is the is the father or the grandfather of mm-hmm. um, technology and instruction in sports. Um, mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is is you're working one on one with an athlete. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach. I have an hour or two hours with a student and I'm going to instruct them and, and, and do the things that I need necessary to um, help them and put them on a path to, to success. So it's easy for me to walk them through a TPI physical screen. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to collect 3D data on them. It's easy for me to get video. It's easy for me to get force plate information, track man information, uh, ball flight 
um, because it's a one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. When we start to work with baseball and softball academies and coaches and players of, of that of that sort, um, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, we have groups of people, so I think it it's much easier for the go- for the golf coach to do the things that he needs to do, mm-hmm. and and use the technology and test the technology. And I think once it becomes something that becomes mainstream, I think that's when the baseball and softball fields get into it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think this is the time that they're getting into it. You know, Major League Baseball's been into 3D mocap for probably five years now. Um, mm-hmm. And when they go after something, they go after something really hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, th- I think that starting out in golf gave me the ability to learn all these technologies mm-hmm. from the body to the pressure to the the the, the club to the to the, the ball data and it was very easily transferable into into baseball because listen we all know that it's the same motion it's just on a different plane mm-hmm. um, if you look at it biomechanically and you don't know the difference between a hitter and a and a and a golfer yeah. you're not you see a whole hell of a lot of difference in what that kinematic sequence looks like so yeah. you know it's the same motion um, it's just how do we get that information on a simplistic kind of uh, a format where it doesn't take all day to get the, that information. Okay, so I have a question for you. So golf culture, specifically in the instruction, right? It seems to be that because it's embedded in the culture that we have to get data. We have to assess, train, reassess, train, reassess, train right that loop continues in golf right and everybody's just like hey this is what it is you know you, you, you. but what i'm finding in in not, not so much baseball but I'm, what i'm finding in softball and maybe it is happening in baseball but I'm, I'm not finding it at least in my anecdotal world my little small little world here uh it seems that the level of risk that the 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 average instructor has with regards to, well, if I assess this athlete and they're not where they need to be, it's a reflection on me as an instructor and coach. And I don't want to expose myself to what the data says I'm not doing. So I have this fear, I, you see where I'm going? I have this fear of yep. technology exposing me from my lack of, or my, I don't want to use, okay, my, my, my mediocrity, my mediocrity. So it, it takes a special kind of person to be able to say, hey, let, let's go. That's your bad speed, and that's your bad speed because of me. As your, as your coach of 10, 5, 3, 4, 2 years, a year, 6 months. So now because of me, because I'm doing my due diligence and because I want to learn more and I want to understand how to get you to a certain bad speed, um, I need to dig a little bit deeper. But in order for me to, to, to do that, I have to, I have to assess. And I'm, not only am I assessing the athlete, I'm also assessing myself as a coach because I got them – I either got them here or I didn't get them here. So why is the golf culture so open about here I am, world? Here's my data on the kids, players that I'm working with. But why why are we in baseball and softball so apprehensive? And so I don't want technology to tell me what to do. I wouldn't say that golf coaches are completely open to it. Yeah, I think I think that your world is the batted ball world. And you see those guys. You don't see all of the golf pros that are very against having others help them in gathering information or working with a player. 
that being said, um, I have a very good friend of mine. His name is Scott Real. Mm-hmm. Scott got his start out at uh, Parisi Sports Performance. Yep. Um, ended up being the head strength and conditioning coach on the PGA Tour for 13 or 14 years. So mm-hmm. when Tiger was Tiger back in 2000, the PGA Tour came to Tiger and said, hey, what do you want? You've brought us all this money. What What do you want? Tiger said, I want golfers to be considered athletes. Hmm. They said, done. They went out the next day and bought two tractor trailers that opened up to about 600 square feet, uh, a tractor trailer, and filled it with with fit, fitness, functional movement equipment, um, chiropractic stuff, so they have a bunch of different trailers on tour. Um, so the, the, the golfer, the golf coach that is brilliant, I think, is the golf coach who can stay in his lane. And I mean that by he teaches golf. He doesn't teach functional movement. He doesn't assess athletes. Um, Lance Gill is working with a great golf pro down in uh, Jupiter, Florida now by the name of Jason Bale. Uh, he and Jason have this, this team approach where Lance does the body, Jason does the instruction, and it's a, it's a great approach. I had Scott Reel as my strength and conditioning coach. He would do all the physical assessments. I would do all the biomechanical and the teaching. <clears throat> we had another doctor who did uh, podiatry. So if this player had poor foot function, we would send them to her. She would look and she had given many of my players um, orthotics, sports orthotics. Um, We had a nutritionist and a a massage therapist and just these people that we could call on at a moment's notice and and help in the team approach of making a player better. I think as baseball instructors and softball instructors understand that, I think they're going to be able to make their athletes better faster and have a more permanent effect on that athlete. Um, you don't have to do it all, Rob. You're on mute. <laughs> that has been my experience. You don't <clears throat> have to do it all, right? right? You don't have to do it all. You can mm-hmm. you can ask for help, mm-hmm. right? I think my success has been I stay in my own lane, right? I don't, I don't claim to be a strength and conditioning coach or a mm-hmm. functional movement uh, specialist or uh, someone can, who can do ART. No way. I can look at biomechanical data. I can tell you what's wrong. <clears throat> I can teach you how to how to move your stick better, um, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you because I see limited hip function in the internal rotation of the of the trail hip joint. I'm not gonna say because I see that being limited that I can fix it because I don't I don't have that kind of degree. Okay, so, so let me I, just say this. Let me let me say this. And I know we have lanes, right? Everybody has lanes. Yep. Um, being able to identify. Utilizing the technology in conjunction with the screen, mm-hmm. you don't need a PhD or whatever. You don't need that for that. You you, no, you, you can you get don't. you can learn that. You can learn that. For some people, it might be a little bit intimidating because <clears throat> oh my god, these big words and and these are med- this is medical these medical you know science bi- you know biology terms. Oh my goodness, and and that's not for everyone. Correct. But what I believe, I believe that. You know, there's swing coaches, and then there's hitting coaches. Mm-hmm. They're not the same. Nope. I believe that both are necessary. Yep. Um, and I think that we, we once 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 we start to educate people, and part of part of the reason why I, I wanted to have you on is because I believe that if if we can educate the softball world and the baseball world more, um, they'll be more open to. Uh, receiving what 
technology can bring. So my experience has been, I've had so much success in how fast I'm able to identify things that mm-hmm. I would not be able to identify because of 3D motion capture. Yeah, 100%. Like I, there's no way that I can see this on a video. I don't care how many frames per second you slow it down. There's no <clears> way I'll be, be able to determine the, the, the things that I'm able to determine. There's, there's no way that I would be able to identify these things as fast. And Correct. in the lesson, live, be able to say, let's pivot. This is what I just saw. Let's try this. Correct. 100%. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, and I think as as the swing coach mm-hmm. and the hitting coach start to learn how technology can help them, I think it, it enables them the ability to, as you said, identify a situation or a deficiency quickly, fix that deficiency quickly and make it a more permanent solution and fix instead mm-hmm. of basically throwing a drill against the wall and seeing if it works. <laughs> okay, that drill doesn't work. Next week, we'll try this drill. Week <laughs> after, we'll try this drill. You know, your eyes can only see so much. Video can only see so much. Mm-hmm. But 3D is going to tell you what's happening and when it's happening. Is it efficient? Is it deficient? And if it is, where's the issue? Like you can take video on, I don't care how much, how many frames per second, and you can look at the hip joint and you can go, okay, is he rotating? He looks like he's moving into that hip joint, but how much? Oh, I put on 3D and I can tell you it's 27 degrees. Right. right? You can, you could guess anywhere from zero to 50, you know, <laughs> you if, if you're right. looking at a video, based <clears throat> right. on data, clothing and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a, a friend of mine said to me one day, he said, technology is, all technology is, is it's an extra tool in your toolbox to enable you to fix a situation. Can you bang in a nail with a screwdriver? Yeah, you can eventually. But is it efficient? Heck no, it's not. You know, can can you, can you make a hitter better without tech? Sure you can, if you're talented. But are those fixes going to be permanent? And are you going to get more kids through your program to be able to um, uh, improve through your techniques more quickly? Or are you going to do old fashioned? It's going to be, you know, 10 kids a week instead of 50. Yeah. You know, we, we all know that, that technology is an expense, but if there's an ROI on that technology and it's helping you get kids better more quickly, heck, that's the way to go. You're investing in yourself to make yourself better as a coach. Correct. And, to, and you and mentioned to, something. You mentioned something earlier that some coaches are afraid because it might show that they're not making the kid better. Well, you know, <clears throat> tech is tech's basically watching you to make sure you're making the kid better, right? From the body movement to the the, the bat data to the batted ball data, right? Is Johnny getting better? All right, Johnny's getting better in the cage. How do we take that to the field? Um, heck, you can throw tech on a kid and put him on, in a game. You know, we've thrown we've thrown four D sensors on a kid um, and put him in a game and let him go play. And when the game's over, the data downloads and I look at it. You know, how did he how did he do? Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that we yep. can do with mm-hmm. today that we couldn't do ten yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm finding you know as I as I work with I work closely with. Uh, specific colleges and universities who have bought into the idea that this technology can help them because as former players, most of these college coaches 
they get, they get it. You know, they, they're intrigued by it. Um, they see that Major League Baseball has adopted a lot of this stuff, and they think that well, because well, if Major League Baseball has adopted it, then it, it, it must be something that I should at least take a look at, minimum, yes. right? Because Correct. they have a certain level of credibility, right? And then mm-hmm. and then I'm taking a look at this this, this stuff, but in within the culture and with of, of what I'm doing at the collegiate level in terms of limited hours to practice, mm-hmm. limited staff. Mm-hmm. Limited resources to even pay staff mm-hmm. to do that, and then they, they, the the number one resource is knowledge, <laughs> in my opinion. Yep. Um, yep. Finding the people who have the ability to do this the way that I need it done, and 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 that's 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 looking at all technology, not just not just three D motion capture because three D motion right. capture works with uh, batted ball data, pre contact data, mm-hmm. and and if you look at all three, it, it tells a story. For, I, I for, for each individual athlete once you start to dig. <clears throat> so what I'm finding is um, the time management piece. The time time as a resource. Yep. You know, and the amount of time it takes. So a big thing for me when I'm working with groups and, and, and working in, in, you know, whether it's a group of four, a group of six, a group of eight, um, just to just to cut cut it up a little bit because you can't look at the whole team and say I got twenty four players yeah but you got four players on Monday four players on Tuesday four players on Wednesday four players on Thursday now you just got sixteen players done in a week yep because it it becomes intimidating what are some of the strategies that and, and golf's easy because it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not a team it's one on one it's just one person <laughs> <laughs> you know but you can look at it like okay pitching staff. Right. Then you could look mm-hmm. at it like, okay, a third of my hitters, a third of my hitters, a third of my hitters. That's four days. We're good. We got it. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you break your team up, if we just talk about the position players, right? Mm-hmm. There's what twelve to fifteen on the college softball team. So yeah. Let's call it, let's call it fifteen. Right on the yeah. high side. Mm-hmm. You do three. You do three kids a day. That's five days. Now you have data on every kid every week and you can start to see trends and you know trends in 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 the game of softball and the game of baseball are huge Mm -hmm. um trends could be um why does one athlete um suffer mid-season and why does one athlete not suffer Mm mid-season is it travel is it diet is it in softball is it we can get in we can get into a lot of things in softball we can't get into into other things, right? We can talk about menstrual period, men, menstrual cycles mm-hmm. with with females. Yeah, um, that has a lot to do with performance. Sure and does. If we, can, if we can get data on these on these athletes on a weekly basis, think about what we can do with the trend lines. <clears throat> think about what we can see in an athlete, and if we see that athlete one struggles after the weekend yep. well what the heck are they doing on the weekend that makes them struggle beginning of the week when we have games mm-hmm. <clears throat> if athlete two you know struggles mid-weekend you know what's going on like you said it could be diet right. it could be it could be sleep patterns it could be anything but if we can get information on these athletes we can at least 
start to have educated guesses on what we're trying to do and how and and why they're not at peak performance at certain times. And I, and you hit on something because I I do my best thinking when I'm walking the dog. And I was walking the dog this morning, and it, I'm look I'm thinking about it, I'm listening to a podcast as I'm walking, and I remember when I was when I coached travel baseball in like oh two oh three oh four or five you know back in those days, yep. and I remember coming to the realization that I should probably allow my game two pitcher like if we got an eight o'clock game. My my game two pitcher and my game three pitcher, why why am I waking them up at six? Right, to sit there, and to be sit sluggish. there, <laughs> to be and tired, be sluggish. And sluggish until eleven, until eleven. Oh, exactly. That yeah, would be that would be so st- stupid to, to put it to put it blunt. But we as but, coaches want the entire team there. Why? Cheering your kids on. Now, I, I get it. Why? I don't need extra cheerleaders. I need that guy. I need my game two pitcher. If there's a game two, I need him ready to take, to take me to game three. Right. Sleep in, have a nice breakfast, get recovered properly so that you yep. can have a, you can, you can um, perform on a cognitive level right. the way that I need you to be. So right. looking at if those this, data points, looking at. Working, if this isn't working, nothing, the body's not going to work. Right. Nothing we do matters if this isn't working properly. It yep. doesn't matter. So for me, <laughs> listening to you talk about all the other data points that we need to be able to clearly understand why a hitter or a pitcher or a mover moves efficiently or not, such as sleep, diet. And then the other thing with, with when we're talking about like adolescence is growth and weight gain and weight loss. You see, you see what I'm saying? Uh, I, I know. You, yeah. Because, yeah, you're two inches taller than you were six months ago or eight months ago, or you're 20 pounds heavier or 20 pounds lighter, depending upon who I'm talking to and talking about. Those things affect how we move. We have to kind of almost learn, relearn how to move, no? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give you a, a quick story. I had a, a, a junior golfer that I was teaching um, who was really good. Yeah, I mean, really good. Yeah. Um, and his father was very two hands on, if you mm-hmm. will. And um, this young this young man was tearing it up in high school high school golf. He was all all state high school golfer. Shot you know three four under numerous times in, in high school matches. Um, and he was getting ready to grow. I could see it. I knew it. I could tell it. I said to his father, I said, listen, I think he's growing. I think it's time we shut him down for a couple weeks. Don't let him play tournament golf. No big deal. He'll be fine. He still has all these schools looking at him. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Well, dad didn't take my advice. Made him go out, made him go out and play. The mm-hmm. kids sprouted up four or five inches. Had no idea where his body was going. Uh, shot terrible scores. Now I find out mom and dad are going through a divorce. I tried to shut him down again. His dad wouldn't do it. The kid went from a D1 prospect to playing D3 college golf. And it was all because no one listened to the information that was given to them. I knew what was going on. I knew there was outside influences. I knew that there were things besides the things that we were doing to make him good that were affecting him emotionally and Mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted him not to play in certain tournaments. And his dad said, no, this is a big event. He's got to play. And he suffered for it. And it's a shame. 
And, and I think that that's something that we all have to rec reconcile with sometimes and say, okay, what's the bigger picture, right? <clears throat> um, missing out on a important event mm -hmm. over the development, the human development of, of my son or daughter mm -hmm. as an overall person. So yeah, you know what? Because my, my child is also a human being and a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're going to take some time off to get that together first. Yep. That's most because, important. You know, because with without that intact, this really doesn't really matter that much to me. And that, that takes everybody. Should to be take precedent. Should take precedent over it, all it of should, it. Right? It should. It should. But it, it often know, so. doesn't. We see, I, see, I see it all the time. I'm sure you do too. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we don't really want to miss out. I, 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 I understand both sides of it. You know, it's hard. Oh, I can't miss out. But you can't, though. You can't miss out. It's okay. Human, humans suffer from FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, so, um, uh, my audience, I, I, I want to. Can you can you explain? Because you use the word kinematic sequence. Mm -hmm. Can you just a, a very very <clears throat> easy depth, easy depth? Because there's so much stuff out there, and I think there's sometimes there's also confusion between yep. kinematic yep, yep. sequence and kinetics yeah there's a there's a big confusion so okay. the kinematic sequence yep. just shows to me how your body is moving when it's moving the speed it's moving and kind of determines your athletic your athletic ability mm -hmm. so let's just talk about the four body parts that we measure in the kinematic sequence okay. that you see from tpi or on base you or or softball you or whomever uses 3d motion capture so we can look at what the pelvis is doing mm -hmm. what the torso is doing what the upper lead arm is doing and what the lower lead arm or this or the instrument and i don't care what your instrument is is ball, doing ball or bat right at yeah. ball <clears throat> stick club racket yeah. mm -hmm. doesn't make any difference to me so we look for these body parts to move at certain times mm -hmm. and we look for them to have what we call motions going up are accelerators and motions going down are decelerators because when you look at the kinematic sequence it's all about time on the x-axis and speed on the y-axis hmm. so we want the pelvis we know the pelvis is the generator of power and speed in any athletic endeavor we do we want the pelvis to start go first that's first gear it goes into first gear and it ramps its way up right i should be going this direction it ramps its way up Mm -hmm. When you go into second gear, the pelvis will then ramp its way down. And the second gear will take over and ramp up. When we get to a certain speed, we're going to hit third gear. We hit third gear. Second gear goes down. Third gear goes up mm. and so on. And that's basically the basis of what the kinematic sequence is. Segment accelerates segment above it takes over makes that lower segment decelerate so that acceleration can happen and so on and so forth um and if you you can look at a kinematic sequence and when you look at enough of them very quickly determine the ability of this athlete okay <laughs> now okay now we're getting okay now now we get down to the nitty-gritty now we can get deep. yeah let's let's go to the nitty-gritty so now here's the deal in your experience, you have a, you have more experience than anybody that I actually could think of. 
and I know I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who are into this. I don't know anybody. <clears throat> I don't know anybody personally who has more experience in this than you. No, and that's why. I'm, that's why. I'm, and I, I know. I know. I'm right. <laughs> when I said what I'm saying. So, so when I talk about, I have so many questions I want to ask, but I'm trying to just not not ask them in the right order because I know I have listeners that are in the beginning of just digging into this. So, in your experience. Um, when you're when you're looking at deceleration patterns, because mm-hmm. the decel pattern should be the same pattern in a perfect biomechanically efficient person, in a perfect mm-hmm. world. If you're biomechanically it efficient, be, it would be like that. The upper and the low, the upward sweep and the downward sweep of that graph would be up and down, look like a mountain. Right. Equal okay. on both sides. Yeah. Okay. So up, up, and then down. When you're when you're because p- people look at you crazy when you say decelerate. Well, why would I want to decelerate? You know that, right? I know it for a fact. Because <laughs> I'm like, so sometimes I don't even want to even have that conversation. And it's funny. I was on the phone with a, a a college baseball team the other day, going over their data, and I was saying, look, sometimes a person can be not in the perfect ideal sequence in transition, mm-hmm. but they, but we need them to be in the ideal transition. I'm sorry, in the ideal sequence in deceleration. Mm-hmm. Why is that decel sequence so much more translates into so much more of what, what we get in terms of like speed and acceleration than the transition? Why is that? Okay, let's get really simple. Okay. Everybody snapped the towel in their days, right? In, yep. in, in gym class, you crack your friend on the rear end with a towel. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you just move your arm fast to your friend, does that towel ever snap? No. What do you have to do to make that towel snap? You got to pull back with the hand. There's your deceleration. Hmm. And that makes the towel accelerate. The deceleration, the, next, yeah. the deceleration of the segment below helps the acceleration of the segment above. And that you can see that crack in a whip. You can see that in um, when you're in the gym and you're doing the ropes, mm-hmm. right? If you don't decelerate, that rope just keeps going upwards. Mm-hmm. So when you snap a towel and you decelerate and you pull your hand back, that's what creates that speed going forward, helps that speed going forward to snap the tip of that towel. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. It's the simplest analogy I've ever come up with. That's a, that's a good one. So now I'm on the phone with, with uh, and you know, you and I both have mutual friends and the 40 sure. motion people. <clears throat> so I was talking to um, Conrad Chan. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about uh, when 4D motion went with MLB to the draft. Mm-hmm. And you and 4D, did you go with them? Oh, yeah. Okay. So good. You were there. Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, this is great. So what, and I was telling, and I was explaining to Conrad what I've been getting in my softball world is that the players that have 90 to 95% of their swings where their deceleration is in, is in the proper sequence, pelvis, chest, arm, back, along with spine stability mm-hmm. of 85 plus, mm-hmm. 
Got it? Mm -hmm. And here's the other one. If the pelvis and so so those so those 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 two things were like the common denominators for players who were really moving the bat really well. Mm -hmm. Like moving the bat at I would say an elite level <clears throat> bat mm -hmm. speed and rate of acceleration based on the diamond kinetics data on max acceleration, which we're measuring in G, mm -hmm. gravitational force. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing that I want to ask you, I found that the people who are struggling, their pelvis was rotating at speeds that were too fast. Can you, so, because I, and I want, I want my listeners to understand this. I understand, but, I, but, you're Jim so B. Let, I, I, it's got to come from you because if you because if and, and so the big leaguers were able to control their pelvis better from what I'm gathering to not so, so not so turn yeah, let, so let's, fast. Let's talk about this. Let, let's okay. talk. Let's talk a little bit more about this. I know you. I, I'm sure you know the answer, but to play devil's advocate and, and, <laughs> and talk to your and yeah. talk to your to your audience about this. Yeah. <laughs> Who has the higher pelvic rotational speed? A single A player or a big leaguer? Probably a single A player. Uh, they have the higher pelvic rate of speed. And why is that? Because they because don't. They're, they're trying to fire everything. Because they're from trying the, to fire too hard. Right. And right? they're not allowing themselves to build. Yep. So a big league baseball player builds power and speed like a wave, right? A wave starts really small and slow, and then it builds as it gets closer to shore and builds and builds and builds until it until it crashes. So you'll have a you'll have a, a single A player that rotates his pelvis as let's say seven hundred and fifty degrees, eight hundred degrees per second. Yep. That's but the then the chest is but then the chest is only moving a thousand degrees per second. So that mm -hmm. transfer of energy, he has slowed down, basically in my eyes, he's slowing down moving into the bat. So the bat doesn't get to the speed that it should. A big league baseball player will move his pelvis at, let's say, 500 degrees per second, but then move his chest at 800 degrees per second, and he's getting faster. Oh, my right? God. <laughs> and then the chest to the arm is from, let's go, 800 degrees per second to 1,200 degrees per second. Mm -hmm. He's building again. And then it's out to the bat at twenty four hundred. Bingo. And you're and you're looking at a you're looking at a, a minor leaguer who moves it fifty percent faster than the big league player in the pelvic speed and has a bat that is thirty percent slower. Okay, pause for a second. And they're I, like, I, pause for one second. I need everybody to understand what 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 Jimmy Beetle just said. I need <clears> you to understand what he said because we have to understand that eighty percent, ninety percent pelvic control. That leads to a bigger build later on in the sequence. We can't come out of the gate at 800 degrees per second with the pelvis, even though we can. We shouldn't because the buildup, the improvement, and the transfer of power doesn't happen the way we need it to happen when it gets to the bat. And the bat's the most important part of it because that's you what's striking that. the ball. <clears throat> you got that right. <sighs> that was a lot. You'll look at a D-cell pattern. Like a kid will come out of the gate like this, Rob, right? Yep. He'll come out iron heavy. And then when he hits his D-cell, he'll D-cell like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He won't go. Bam. 
It mm-hmm. won't go up and down. It'll go up and then kind of level off and then slowly go down. So a lot of that has to do with pelvic control. <clears throat> a lot of that has to do with glute strength. A lot of that has to do with oblique abdominal strength, not your six pack, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> your good hitters have a one. Your good, your good hitters have a one pack, right? Mm-hmm. They don't need a six pack. They can have a one pack, but it's the oblique abdominals that control yeah. that rotation mm-hmm. of that body. Um, and yeah, if we can learn to get, if we can teach these kids to control their lower half, they're gonna they're gonna be a lo- whole heck of a lot better. Because number one, when you rotate that fast, you know you're going to over-rotate a contact, right? Yep. So now, how, how do I control the outer third of the plate if I'm at 110 degrees of pelvic rotation of contact? I can't. Can't do it. That's when the kids have to jump all over the plate. They get really up and in on the plate, and now they can't control the inner third. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so it's it, it's a lot of it. A lot of it has to do with mechanics, mm-hmm. then into approach. And put those two things together, your hitting coach and your swing coach, mm-hmm. and we can develop a good hit. But there's certain things that have to happen, and firing fast out of the gate's not one of them. So, so I've been, you know, I've been working with, uh, I've been working and toying with different ideas to help me to to add more context context to my data, mm-hmm. because. Unlike golf, a batted ball is is not usually going to be in the same spot every time we swing. Correct. So if I have a if I have a low and in pitch versus a high and out pitch, my swing is going to be significantly different. Significantly different. My swing uh, it, it may even affect to some degree for some people a difference in how my sequence might happen. So, Possibly. so, Possibly. so, right. So when I just, just in when I'm, when I'm doing, when I'm doing the assessment, I can see that there's a difference, even if I don't want it, want it to be a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I, what I try to do is I try to tag all the outside pitch swings mm-hmm. and get some data from that. And then I'll say, Hey, let me, now let me tag the inside pitch swings. And I want to see what the differences are. If there are any. And there probably will be um, in terms of spine tilt and things like that and, and cre- being able to create that vertical bat angle on the inside mm-hmm. pitches. That's going to be a different, a 40-degree difference in vertical bat angle on an outside pitch. And So what is the body doing to create that vertical bat angle? Like I, need, I, I just need to know all that stuff, right? So, um, You know, I think, there's, I think there's two ways to hit, hit a baseball that's outside. Go. You either you either go there and your body changes, or you just let it get deep and your body's the same, right? I mean, Jeter has a Hall of Fame career letting the ball just get deep. That's true, and, <clears> but and, but and a, and a JD Martinez mm-hmm. goes that way. Mm-hmm. So you know, is the kinematic sequence different? Is the spine angle different? Is the side bend different? Is the you know vertical bat angle different? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all things that are, these are all great things to discuss. And I think some of these things, if there's a really cool video out there of Miggy hitting a home run and thinking nine, nine different locations, you almost can't tell the body apart. And, vertical, and, vertical. and for some people and for some people, that's that's their efficient. Yep. You know, yep. so I think and I think once we start to when you start digging, 
um, we don't always look for everybody to agree with what the app says is efficient. Correct. But we have to be able to say, this is <clears throat> this is your efficient. Yep. Now this is best for you. Right. So now, yeah. right. So now, hopefully, you stay here because now that I have this as a baseline recorded and saved on my app, you start to get away from those things. And then we also, uh, how are we using it for return to play? By the way, are we using 3D Motion? I mean, I, I know we can, but how, how, how would you suggest? Well, I, I think what you want, I think, is you want baseline information on your kid mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to take more information on a player when he's hitting well, he or she is hitting well. Um, and I, I always have that data available to me, and I always have that information on, you know, um, some positional data top of load, first move contact, mm-hmm. that positional data, as well as speeds, as well as what the kinematic sequence look like, your, 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 um, your, you know, your vertical bat angle, your, your, your spine stability, your X factor stretch, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you should have some baseline numbers on your, on your athlete in that, in that sense. That way, if they do get hurt and we do put them on and this athlete normally is 84 degrees rotated open at contact, at 625 degrees of pelvic rotation and you know now they're at 500 degrees of pelvic rotation and 72 degrees open of contact because they had a strained glute on the lead side are they really ready Hmm. probably not right right and we don't have to guess anymore because my baseline data says they should be in the in the 500s and in the 80s and they're in the 400s and in the 60s or 70s so let's just leave them out for another week. Keep doing the ART and the massage work and the and the and the whatever mm-hmm. um, until we get them at, back to their baseline numbers. The last yeah. thing you want is to have an athlete get hurt who's important to a ball club. Rush them back and they get hurt again because then they're out for the season. Yeah, and I, and I think I think just taking the guessing out of out of return to play is is, is crucial. Yeah, like just let's just eliminate all the guessing. We got baseline <clears throat> data. If you're yep. if you're not back to your certain spin rate on your ball with a certain movement pattern, yep. And I'm assuming if it's, a, if it's a pitcher, we're adding spin rate to that. Correct. Just on a basic fastball. Okay. Listen, spin rate, body movement. You're not ready. You are ready. Let's go. No guessing. We're doing some stuff at 4D Motion, mm-hmm. Rob. That's um, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sang, the founder of the company. Yeah. Um, they they he's been working with the U.S. Olympic skating team yes. and number one figure skater in the world for a, a, a few years now. Mm-hmm. And I think his name is Nathan Chan. And Nathan uses our product for load management hmm. because these kids, the amount of stress they put on their body doing these jumps. I mean, he's spinning four or five times in the air on, on, you know, on a knife, right? Um, he gets to a certain load. And again, this goes with sleep and nutrition and all this other stuff, right? He gets to a certain amount of load that day, he's done. The app just shuts him down. Okay, time to get off the ice. And it could be 24 jumps one day and 16 the next. Who knows? But it's been really successful. And these are just some of the things that, that you know, tech and data and, 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 and company, <clears throat> excuse me, companies like ours can help provide to coaches to, to get the best performance out of their athlete. Yeah, and I, I I really really agree with that. And I had I've been working with Columbia Hospital, Columbia University Hospital, with with uh, uh, regards to 
post-op Tommy John surgery pitching throwing programs that are monitored by 4D motion. Yeah. To be able to to be able to make those those determinations and, and one predict injury. Yep. Which is huge. Because yep. the data will show you you're about to get hurt. <laughs> yep. So so injury prediction is even even another thing that we, we, we forget. And then obviously injury prevention is and and then we have injury recovery. So it's like three different levels of yep. especially with throwing because it's such a sensitive thing. You know, people don't really realize how well we know how sensitive it is but we know we yeah. have tools that we can be creative enough and we can figure out how to use them more effectively to help us in, in those areas yeah there's some mlb clubs right now that are using 4d um in completely different ways mm -hmm. to try to not only predict but try to prevent tommy john mm -hmm. they want to keep these guys on the field um you know they're Pitchers are probably 60% of a MLB's 40-man roster payroll, maybe more. And, <laughs> and when, you've got, uh, when you've got a guy you're paying $25 million and he's got Tommy John surgery, and that's a guaranteed contract, that's $25 million you're paying him for rehab. <clears throat> It'd be better off if he didn't have Tommy John and you kept him on the field and, and he was playing longer. So, you know, what is it? Is it is it external rotation of the shoulder joint? Is it stuff going on with the elbow is it internal rotation in the hip joint is it the timing that they lift their foot till they put the foot down mm -hmm. you know we're all looking at a, a, a plethora of different things and you know it's it, it, tech is going to help yeah um so what are some of the things that you think people miss when it comes to looking at looking at the baseball and the softball swing that they need to pay attention to in the app. What are some of your What are some of your metrics that are like? Okay, I'm a beginner. I I just bought a 4D motion. This seems all. It just seems too much. I I, I just want to go in slow. What are some of the things that I can, I can look for and kind of just get a little bit of data that I can work on for for 45 days or two months? How, yeah, how would you advise someone? I want to buy a system, but uh, is, it might be too much. What, what do I do? I think the pink elephant in the room is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Right? We have a really good simplistic. PDF report that you can print on a on a on a session that a, that a player hits. Yeah, um, and you can look at that pretty quickly. It's color coded, mm -hmm. so that's the cool part. You can look at the transition sequence: hip, chest, arm, bat. You can look at the deceleration sequence: hip, chest, arm, bat. Mm -hmm. Are they in order? If they're not, is which is important? Is it the acceleration or the transition or the decel? You know, I've seen a lot of elite hitters that don't transition great. Mm -hmm but they desell perfectly. Yes. Um, you can then go down and you can look at transfer of energy rates, speeds and energy transfer percentage. So is the kid 800 at the, at the pelvis and 900 at the chest? That's going to give you a red number. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Is he, eight, is he 700 and, and is he 1050? That's going to be a green number. That's good. So we can look at, you know, that and see if they transfer their energy properly. Um, I've always liked the the spine stability score that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good one to look at. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I also like to look at at, at the uh, the metrics of contact. Where's that player's body at contact? You know, if this player is um, has forward lean of the chest of let's say ten degrees mm -hmm. at contact, and you want him hitting the ball in the air, well, you better fix that. Because he's his bat is not going to want to travel down, uh, not going to want to travel up if he's leaning forward. It's going to want to travel down. 
Um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a few things in that PDF report that are really cool to look at mm -hmm. and simple and, and easy to look at. And then just look at that kinematic sequence and, and see if it if we have the peaks going up on a, on a nice angle of mm -hmm. pelvis, chest, arm, bat. Um, what, what I love what I love most about the PDF report is that when my players leave a session before they get in the car and turn their phones on or whatever or turn the airplane mode off, <laughs> they already got the PDF in their inbox. Sometimes I even I'll even airdrop it to them before they leave the cage. I'll airdrop the PDF yep. report yep. right to their phones yep. before they even get in the car, and, which and, I and, you know, love that feature. And the back of our report has that glossary of terms, right? We put all the terms in there. So if mom and dad want to go over it with them mm -hmm. um, or her, they can go over it because now mom and dad have the glossary of terms. They, you know, so what is, what is, what is this you're talking about? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Spine stability. I get it now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or vertical bat path or, you know, what, whatever it might be. So I think we've done a good job with that, with that report. Um, you know, we're going to start shooting some, I'm going to start shooting some video this winter mm -hmm. to try to help explain some of the things that are in, you know, not only the reporting, but the graphs and the, the, um, the, the metrics, mm -hmm. as well as the tools. Um, so I'm going to try to talk about some of the, the um, things that you can do with 4D from the module standpoint and how, mm -hmm. how cool those modules are for training. Mm -hmm. uh, we can start to, I'm going to shoot some video and talk about some things on um, remote coaching. You know, so if you have a player that's going to college, but you still want to keep in contact with them, they can buy a couple sensors, put them on the body, take a BP session. You can get that data as the coach and look at that data and have a conversation with that athlete mm -hmm. from afar. So we're, we're taking borders down and fences down, which is really cool and, and able to do some things like that as well. So, um, you know, I know you use this system really well. And I think getting that PDF report to the athlete that quickly shows a lot of care and, and, and want to help that athlete get better every day. <clears throat> so, so you got, you got how much time you get? You good. We, we're, at, we're at the 52 minute mark. You're right. I'm good. <laughs> so chest delay. Um, <clears throat> I'm finding that. And again, I, I think that's a deep one. I know. I, I want to go into it, though. I want, I want to talk about it because I know there's a lot of variables involved. And I was talking to this, again, it goes back, I had a conversation with, with this baseball college program uh, a couple of days ago. And um, just about specific data points um, and whatnot. And um, we were talking about a specific athlete. And we were talking about, ch you know, chest delay. And I, I believe that because the inability to delay the hands, a lot of hitters struggle for how good they actually can be. And when I say how good they can be, meaning, because I judge how good you are based on the level of, you, the level of pitching you're facing, right? So the best, sure. the best pitching <clears throat> has the latest movement and or the fastest velocity. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's that's the when you they, get to the, they, the, the more competitive they, the game. Right. They hold that stretch longer. Right. They able to. Right. right. So if I can delay my hands um, a little bit longer, and, and and that's all. I think that's all tied into tied into the chest delay as well. Mm -hmm. Um. 
but then you have different types of types of movers. You got tight movers and loose movers. Mm-hmm. So important to know which mover you are to know how much chest delay you need to have. Correct. And this is what I told the, told the coach on the team. Correct. And I just wanted to make, I just want to make I just want to see what you how you felt about that. So can you can that, you? That's, can, that's why we can go back to the assessment portion of the whole thing. Yeah. By assessing your athlete, mm-hmm. putting them into three different buckets, mm-hmm. right? You have the hypermobile bucket, you have the middle of the road bucket, you have the tight bucket. And you have to look for data from them differently and you have to train them differently. A hypermobile athlete, I'd never let stretch. Wait, say it again? Say that again? A a hypermobile athlete, I would never let stretch. Stretch meaning what? Stretching, trying to get more limber. I want them in the weight room putting putting on mass. Got it. The, the, the tight mover, I want to maintain, I want them to maintain. I don't want them to get any tighter. Mm-hmm. I n- not necessarily want them to get mobile, but I don't want them to get tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that your middle of the road to your tighter guys can have more success on a more even keel than your hypermobile guys. Very few hypermobile athletes, hitters per se, very few hypermobile ones um, are like this during the course of the season. They're mm-hmm. more like this. Mm-hmm. Right? Hit 400 one month, hit 120 the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, the power is there, I think, in the hypermobile athlete because their levers can get longer, the rubber bands are longer, but I think their decision making is not as good because they, they have to decide sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, you know, that big separation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your tighter athlete, I think can wait longer. I think they have better decision-making. I think they have, you know, um, lower swing and miss rates. So, um, so, so give, give me, give us an example of MLB because most people are familiar with MLB. We see it more. Give give me an example of who a loose mover would be or hyper move. Javi Baez. Okay. Loose. I've seen him. I, you know, you watch him on TV because he was in New York last year. You watch him on TV quite a bit. And one of my friends plays for the Cubs, played with Javi. And um, you see him miss pitches by six, seven feet. Right? <laughs> the, guy, the guy's bounced at four feet from home gate and his head in, in, in left field. Yeah. Now, is Javi talented? <laughs> Highly talented. Mm-hmm. Does Javi have power? Tons of power. But is the consistency there over the course of 162 games? Right. There's a lot of a peak and valley. Um, you know, um, tight, tight movers. guys, mm-hmm. tight movers, um, trout. I was, I was going to say trout. Yep. As tight as they come. Mm-hmm. He's a football player that mm-hmm. plays baseball that hits 300 every month. Yeah. <clears throat> right? He's hit 10 home runs this month alone in the month of September. Um, you know, uh, um, I. You look. You can look at JD Martinez, another guy who just he just rakes, right? He just mm-hmm. you know just constantly through the course of the season he just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Bregman's tight. Yep. <clears throat> you know, um, that kind of stuff. I mean, who who was an athlete that? Listen, I was I was I'm old enough to have seen Bo Jackson. That guy was a phenom. If he just stuck to baseball, who knows what he would have done? I know he's my he's my favorite he's my favorite of all time. Right. Above and, average and arm, above average speed, above average power. We have above seen average speed, like above average speed. <laughs> I mean, all three. We haven't seen that. I mean, you know, 
Power speed, Bro, arm. His, his first base hit in the big leagues was a ground ball shortstop on turf. Yeah, he's, 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 he was something else. He was something special. You heard what Brian Bosworth said about Bo Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, when Jackson ran him over at the goal line? Brian, what did you see? He goes, thighs and ass. That's all I saw. <laughs> right? Yeah, was he, special. he was special, yeah. And, and, and Bo, Bo wasn't a, a hypermobile athlete. Mm-hmm. He was tight. So, you know, I've had, I, I've had discussions with a lot of guys in a lot of organizations, you know, the guys upstairs. And there's one organization a guy says to me, we're never going to draft a hypermobile position player again. Really? Yeah. There's just too, there's too much, there's, there's too much good and bad with them. Wow. They need, we, we need people that play all year long and across the board and are consistent. That's what they're looking for. That's I think that's, yeah, I think that's what, what we're looking to try to do with tech is make guys consistent and efficient, right? Because the more efficient you are, the less injury you have. <clears throat> and, and on that note, Jim, on that note, I'm fine. Like, and I've, you know, we, we've been doing this for a long time. I remember a time when I could look at a person and say, if you, if, if you can't move your bat fast, you just can't move your bat fast. Now we have so much more at our disposal for development. Mm-hmm that we can take a person that we would have wrote off years ago. Mm-hmm. We would have wrote that person off years ago mm-hmm. as you're never going to be fast. You're never going to move fast. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to throw hard, <laughs> right? And now we can take a, a, a kid from 80 miles per hour throw to 92, 93 over the course mm-hmm. of a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. With no injuries. Mm-hmm. And tw- 15 years ago, we couldn't say it. We, we, we would never say that. We would never even think no. that we could do that now. No. And I think that's, that's the most exciting part for me is because I owe it to that middle kid who has a dream of aspiration of playing on television one day. But, she's, but he or she's in the middle. I owe yeah. it to them to say, okay, how can I make myself mm-hmm. better as a coach to make you better? I owe it to that, I owe it to that player. You know, I, I, I think as a coach, your job is to get that athlete, if that athlete wants it, of course. There mm-hmm. has to be some, they, they have to have some mm-hmm. some commitment to it, and they're, 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 they have to own, they have some ownership of this. If they want to, it's your job to get them to their genetic potential. Yes. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And if you have two players that come to you at 15 years old, they both want to play in the big leagues. One's genetic potential is, you know, maybe uh, uh, mid-level college, mm-hmm. and the other kid's potential is double A. And you get the one kid that's mid-level college, you get him to play D1 college baseball, and you get this other kid to triple A baseball, you've done your job. Far exceeded what your job should have been. Mm-hmm. But if a kid comes to you at 15 and his genetic potential is the big leagues, and he barely gets out of A ball, man, you haven't done your job right. And I think that's where tech can not only help you get someone there, but can also keep an eye on you to make sure you're doing the right things to get him there. That's right. It's it's a self-accountability thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, where where am I? Where where are we? 
Yeah, like you must be accountable so much so much so must the athlete. And it's it's not it's it's a non-bias. It's 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 one hundred percent objective. Yep. One hundred percent. Yep. It's not you know, it's and, not it's not giving you it's not telling you that your 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 teaching ideology is wrong. It's telling you that this kid's moving this way and mm-hmm. this is deficient. Right. Right. His bat speed, I was working with a kid, a, a, a coach called me and a father called me and a kid's a division one baseball player and his bat speed was 60 miles an hour. And I asked, how can, how in the world can you be playing division one baseball at 60 miles an hour? We, we grabbed some data on him. I saw some things I really didn't like, you know, it was <clears throat> a slow pelvis getting out of the gate. Wasn't grabbing on the torso very well, kind of that gaty kind of swing. Mm-hmm. Where the chest and the and the pelvis are going together, there was no stretch shorten cycle, there was no t- tightness against the midsection. Blah blah blah. So we did a bunch of things with him, and in three weeks we put him back on, and we we got some more data on him. It went from sixty to seventy miles an hour. Nice. Ten miles an hour in three weeks. I didn't charge enough. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's worth that's worth a lot of money in signing bonus, right? That's worth, that's worth that's a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's worth twenty five percent of that signing bonus. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I want to ask you something because I just thought of something. Um, what would be an acceptable in your eyes? Talking about a hitter right here, right? If they are, if they, if a hitter is out of sequence in the transition, mm-hmm. what would be the unex, what would be the most unacceptable sequence being out of sequence? And then what would be the most acceptable being out of sequence? Okay, so if the if the pelvis doesn't move first, that is completely unacceptable. <clears throat> I'm but, just if some pel- but if the pelvis works first and the bat works last, sometimes the things in the middle can be mixed up based on what the player does with that bat. Does that make sense? Right. So if we go pelvis, torso, arm, bat, we're good. If we go pelvis, arm torso bat we're good but if we go torso pelvis eh, mm-hmm. Eh. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. you you have no chance mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of elite hitters that go pelvis arm torso bat mm-hmm. i think that's the lay down of the bat mm-hmm. get it on plane early that, that, that's this yeah yeah i think that's, i think yep. that's what happens with those mm-hmm. guys and I and I think because I, I I feel like we have to begin to ask the right questions as an industry. Yes. You know. And if I can give you any word of advice, yep. You got to start from the ground and work your way up. If your if your pelvic mechanics are good, if you load into your trail hip joint properly, if you have the tension in the glutes correctly. If you hit the ground at the right time, you're setting yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of these kids get these big high leg kicks and this huge negative motion of the pelvis back towards the catcher. They have no chance. None whatsoever. And I'm also finding that the popularity of the open stance has gotten, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's no secret. I hate, I hate open stances. I don't think you can adjust with an open stance. Well, well, here, here, let, let's 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 rephrase that. Mm-hmm. If you land open, I don't think you can adjust. Okay, 
and if you I, land I, closed, you can adjust. I, I'm finding, and I, 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 I agree with that. I'm finding that most people with open stances that I encounter don't get back to heel strike in a timely enough fashion where they can maximize the firing of the backside. I wish I had a bell. I'd go ding, ding right now. <laughs> it bothers me so much because I know I, it I looks agree. cool. It looks cool. You look, you got, you got the swag, but I'm telling you, I promise you, your exit velocity is suffering. Your exit velocity is suffering. <clears throat> so I, I think they've gone from that huge negative motion mm-hmm. where the belly button starts to point towards the catcher to this new open stance. They'll they'll migrate back to square. Look what look what Alonzo's done. Mm-hmm. What did Pete Alonzo do later in the year? He actually closed his stance off even more, hmm. trying to trying to work the baseball, you know, uh, center right center as a right handed hmm. hitter, and he's still hitting bombs to left field because he can now adjust better to this the 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 off speed stuff because he faces more more uh, more spinners <clears throat> in the National League than anybody else. Right, and so he closed himself off. Just that little, just that little thing. <clears throat> My ten-year-old saw it. He goes, "Daddy, Pete's standing more closed." Interesting. I'm like, "Wow, you you've been paying attention, buddy." So, what what are some of the things that you have have? So, if you had to give someone advice, okay, because here's what's happening. Here's what's happening right now in the world, right? We got all this success. We got all this debt. We got all this tech. Mm-hmm. I got Diamond Kinetics. I got Rapsodo. <clears throat> I got Hit Tracks. I got 4D motion. I got all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm getting all this data. And here's here's my question now. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest question that we have to ask ourselves when we have all this information in front of us. Now what? Now, now what? <clears throat> I got this in, the- I got this info. <clears throat> now what? Because that's what? 25% of it? Get it? Yep. knowing is 25% of it. Now what? Two, two of those pieces of technology are results, and two of those pieces of technology are process. <laughs> <laughs> What's mo- what 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 is most important? Definitely. If process. Little Johnny has results in the cage and on the field. Look at his process and see what he's doing well. If Little Johnny's struggling on the field, look at his process. What is he doing poorly? That to me, that that Oof. to me is what it's all about, right? Woo! <laughs> Do I have a ding button on here? I think I got one. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. There That's it what it's all about. <laughs> right. Oh boy. Um, re- remember that mass plays, mm-hmm. um, and don't get overexcited about a kid who is, you know, uh, five 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 and one hundred and forty pounds playing little league baseball. Because what's he gonna ha- what's gonna happen when the kid who was, you know, five foot tall and 85, 80 pounds, is now six foot two and two hundred, and he's still the same size? What's gonna happen? Um, you know, so I, I think it's if you can get your kids to love the game, be efficient in the motor patterns, and be successful on the field, they're they're gonna want to get better. Yes, absolutely. You know? 
Here, this is this is all I. This is the the biggest leg kick and pelvic turn I let my little guy have. And what I like about that is that he he didn't go backwards. He went down into the heel with the kick. Bingo. That's it. Bingo. <clears throat> that, you, it can, it can't get ten years more. old playing yeah. against eleven and twelve year olds this year. You know, had some struggles starting because he's he's skinny. He's four eleven and he's eighty pounds. Yeah. Right. And these kids were just blowing the bat out of his hands, and he got he got it. You know, and, and he and he got it. And then when he played ten U All Stars, you know, the other kids are getting you know in six or seven games of All Star games, the other kids are getting one or two hits total. He's getting two hits a game because yeah. he he gets it and he, he and he understands he's. You know, there's so much bad information out there. And one coach is telling them, don't put your foot down so early. One coach is telling them, you know, don't take a leg kick. I'm like, whoa, whoa, guys, time out. I got it. Right. You know, he, <laughs> just, 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 just let, him, let him go. I mean, his mechanics are really, really good. And he gets fouled up because, you know, kids kids take everything in like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not there watching over everything like a, like a hawk, you know, some coach is going to give him bad info. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're volunteers and I understand it and it's great. But. You know, for me, he loaded his hip joint. He's not turning his pelvis back to the catcher. Mm-hmm. So now when he hits the ground, he hits closed. And now he has the ability to adjust in and out and hit the baseball. That's good so, stuff. Yeah, it's fun. So what do you, how do you feel about the front? So, so how do you feel about chest? So with chest pelvis, with chest, with, so with hip, <clears throat> shoulder, and I'm, I'm going to use the word dissociation. Mm-hmm. You know why I'm using that word? Because mm-hmm. everybody knows what I'm talking about if I use that word. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a universal word. It's yeah. a universal phrase. Dissociation of the hip and shoulder, right? When, when we're hitting something that's moving, i.e. a baseball, it's going to be a little different mm-hmm. because we can't, move, we can't turn it as much. We can't turn the shoulder in too much. Correct. Um, you still need binocular vision to the, to the pitcher. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and, and a lot of times... I'm finding when hitters, the hitters that turn the front shoulder in too much, their next move is to fly it open when when they start to turn because they're not going to have the capacity, most of them, to go here. Correct. They're going to go there. Correct. And lead with the shoulder. So what I've been doing lately, um, and something I've actually gotten back to that I got away from, is having hitters more Ken Griffey Jr. and just kind of having that front shoulder kind of pointed slightly down. And you'll see a lot of big leaguers do I that. Like, I like down. I, and, and I like down too because when it comes time to adjusting to oppo, to go oppo with late movement, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting my hitters in a better position down mm-hmm. as opposed to in. Mm-hmm. And I'm still getting dissociation. Mm-hmm. But it's just in a different way. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so then let's go back to our, our previous talk about hypermobility. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hypermobile is going to want to turn negative more mm. because they still want to land closed. And that's the problem with the consistency. There you go. Bingo. <clears throat> Ring that bell again, brother. Bingo. Wow. Okay, whew. 
This is good. So we, we got. Should do this. We, we should do this again. We got. You hit. You, you took the words out. Of, you took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say we got to do this something. We got to do another. We got to do a part two and maybe a part three because it's too. I'll I mean, I don't want to. I'll wear a different color shirt so I don't blend <laughs> in with my wall. I'll probably just look like a head with a hat on. <laughs> nah, you good. You good. Maybe I can fix it. Maybe I can fix that in post. There you go. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Um, but I, I really, really, really appreciate your time and coming on because. I, I believe that um, the people who are the leaders in, in the world of, of technology, specifically in, in sports and how we utilize it and technology, technology implementation, um, we got to get people more educated on it so that they can understand why they need it more yep. and how we can take the game to another level. Yep. Um, because... <clears throat> it's just it's just this is how it works you know there yep. are certain people who just push the game forward and take the game forward in different ways yep this happens to be a technology there's other ways to do it but i think these conversations had to be had and people need to be in on these conversations because these are the conversations well, we have all the time but nobody heard yep. it nobody heard the conversation because it's just they were always, they was always sitting having a beer with three or right three we're on the phone but now now yeah, I, I want, yeah, now we want to push this out to social and push this out over the internet and let people, you know, open up their minds about yep. different things and how they can free, become better coaches mind, and how they can create right? better athletes. Let yeah. that information in. That's right. That's right. So um, this how winter do... I plan on doing some educational videos and stuff. Okay. okay. It would be an honor if you would come shoot some video with me for softball. Oh, heck yeah. All right. Say, say less. I'll be there. Deal. Um, and now yeah, I'd be honored. Be I'm honored that you're asking. And, and I will tell you this: um, we'll, we'll we'll do another one. We got to do another one in the month of October, okay. as we go into winter and as fall ball starts to end and people start going into training. We yep. should, we should, I think we need to do another one so that people have some resources yep. to give them some guidance as they go into winter training, November, December, January, February. Yep. You know what I mean? So I let's. With, let's I, was, I was with a baseball organization the other yeah. day working on 4d motion never put a bat in a kid's hand it was all med balls i got so much stuff i want to ask you that i that all just med ball work i got so much because you know why i'm gonna tell you this i'm gonna tell you this sometimes i look at it i look at it i'll be in a facility and i'm watching kids do med ball and i'm watching them do the med ball from certain postures and i'm like there's no way that's going to translate into anything that you do in sports. It's like a kid that uses a bat that's too long and too heavy. <laughs> it's like that doesn't that doesn't even look athletic. What nope. are we doing right now? Nope. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that, that you know. I, you know, I, I don't I don't go on social media to to bash anybody. No. Um, I think everybody has something good that they can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I just think we have to be very careful with the information that's put out there. I, I, I feel a responsibility to the information that I put out there to be the best to my knowledge. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm not trying to make anything up. I, I just want to give as much inf info to folks as I can from the experiences that I've had. Um, and I, I appreciate you for bringing me on, Rob, because I think this is going to help. And I think we can use this to, to help, um, help move tech forward in, in, in this space. I agree. I, I, I agree. So how, how can my listeners, if they want to reach out and, and uh, get in contact with you or anything like that, how, how can they get in contact? 
Well, they can email me at jim at 4dmotionsports.com. Mm-hmm. It would be the number four, the letter D, motionsports.com. Mm-hmm. Or info at 4dmotionsports.com. Social, reach out. Any social? Uh, Twitter? Anything like that? I have jimbeetle3d at, um, uh, as my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't do a lot on Twitter. Okay. Fair enough. And I, will, and I will have all that information in the show notes as well for those of you who are interested in it and uh, reaching out saying hello and uh, or whatever uh, and uh, Jim again great to have you on the show and we will we'll do another one we gotta do another one quick too I, 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 absolutely uh, uh, Jim Beetle 3D is my Twitter handle and let yep. me just make sure I got the right thing for my <laughs> Instagram so you, you know some of us aren't just parties the smartest cats yeah it's it's jim beetle 3d for uh, uh instagram as well all right sounds good all right buddy listen i appreciate your, i appreciate you having me on it's been a blast uh good to talk to you again and uh let's do this again real soon absolutely thanks a lot again we'll talk soon appreciate it be right. well all right bye-bye What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz, and I'm going to let you know how you can get 15% off any purchases you make at DiamondKinetics.com. Whether it's the DK Swing Tracker for baseball or softball or the DK Pitch Tracker for baseball or softball, you will get 15% off by using the promo code ROBCRUZ. That's R-O-B-C-R-E-W-S at checkout. Check out DiamondKinetics.com and get your 15% off today.